Stop the hacks. Stop the attacks. Stop the attacks and start taking your IT career to the next level. The Masters in Cybersecurity from Stevenson University Online can keep you one step ahead of the criminals and one step ahead of career advancement. Complete your online degree in as little as 18 months with convenient and affordable classes. Stevenson University Online, your partner for professional success. Visit stevenson.edu slash cyberwar. Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, Yeah, you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth uh, no matter what the consequences are. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Uh, just really quick before we get started, just want to remind you guys, if you guys want to check out all the rest of the shows and the uh, articles and everything that we're posting over with the Gatekeepers, go over to gatekeepersonline.com. You guys can check out all of our shows. We've got uh, this show. We've got uh, the Big Brown Gadfly with, with uh, Dr. Bobby Lopez. Uh, we, we're just adding uh, Denise McAllister. She's now becoming a written a contributor over at the Gatekeepers as well. So we've got a great lineup of both uh, bloggers as well as podcasters. So make sure you guys are checking that out. And then and then finally, if you guys would like to support what we're doing here with the Gatekeepers, go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Uh, that's our plugged in membership where you guys get access to the recordings of our Destroy Social Justice Conference our recent infiltrated conference, and then you'll also get 30% off of everything in the Gatekeepers bookstore. So definitely check that out, gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. And then again, that's one way you guys can support what we are doing here with the Gatekeepers. So I'm really excited about our guest today, bringing on uh, Dr. Everett Piper um, onto the show. Uh, welcome to Conversations with Jeff. I'm glad we can sit down and chat here for a little bit. Honored to be with you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of, of course, you know, and, and I, I feel like right now in, in this country, I don't think anybody would argue that this is really unprecedented times. And I think specifically for Christians right now, we're a, a lot of people are really trying to figure out, okay, so what does all this mean now with Joe Biden as president? Trump is ousted. I mean, does this, does this change things in your mind for even just being a Christian in, in our, in this country? Well, I think it changes the conversation as to how much freedom we're going to have. Um, you probably know, Jeff, that during the 2015-16 campaign, I was uh, outspoken against Trump during the primary season. Um, I did not believe he was the candidate for for biblical Christianity. And I wrote an article. It was picked up by Fox News. I was uh, actually on um, Fox News with Brett Baer telling the world, why I would not support Donald Trump 
and why I didn't think he was the candidate for biblical Christians. I mean, my land, the guy uh, boasts Elodie's in his books. He owns casinos. He's got strip clubs in his casinos. The list of things is as long as uh, as long as your arm in terms of the the malfeasance of Donald Trump and his lack of Christian behavior. However, after the primary, I had a I had a um, a choice to make. Um, and Oz Guinness actually helped me through this. Oz pulled, pulled me aside. I labor where it was or why that take on. But Oz pulled me aside and he said, Everett, if you want freedom, always vote for the covenant, never vote for the hierarchy. He said the European Union, Belgium and France, uh, are hierarchical. The Democratic Party is hierarchical. The Magna Carta, the Constitution, the Republican Party is covenantal. Now, that isn't to say that the Republican Party platform or, or all of its uh, individuals that carry the Republican banner are perfect. But as a model, the Republican platform is much more covenantal than hierarchical, whereas the Democrat platform is definitely hierarchical. It's top down with a bunch of oligarchs telling us how to live our lives. Stop the hacks. Stop the attacks. Stop the attacks and start taking your IT career to the next level. The Masters in Cybersecurity from Stevenson University Online can keep you one step ahead of the criminals and one step ahead of career advancement. Complete your online degree in as little as 18 months with convenient and affordable classes. Stevenson University Online, your partner for professional success. Visit stevenson.edu slash cyberwar. Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online. Approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. And what we will do, where they're telling us how to use the bathroom today. And in your state, they're telling you that you got a curfew and that you can't travel more than 120 miles from your home. You have to wear a mask to go to church or go to the restaurant or that you can't even go to church or you can't even go to the restaurant. It's very hierarchical. And this is a this is a model that actually steals human freedom rather than enhances it. In the 2006 election, I actually made a decision that I was not voting for a king, but that I was voting for a covenant. And I believe that's the model for biblical Christianity. We vote for principles. We don't vote for a person. We vote for freedom. We vote for more liberty rather than less. And I will always cast my vote for the candidate or for the party that's going to give me more human liberty, more human freedom rather than uh, less. And under Donald Trump, I don't know how you could argue whether you like the man or not, whether he's the big, bad orange man, whether he's a terribly immoral, immature um guy that has temper tantrums on Twitter, fine, I'll give you all that. But did we get more freedom at the end of the day, or did we get less freedom as the result of Donald Trump and the presidency? I would argue that even, I would argue from the context of a guy who was even again during the primary season, that in the context of freedom, I was wrong. He actually gave me more rather than less. So as we now deal from, deal with the transition from Trump to Biden, uh, are we going to have less human freedom at the end of the day? We already do. We all do have less freedom, and we're only one month into his into his presidency. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's it's really interesting too because you know there there is this debate. It seems like within even you know evangelically about 
the role the role that freedom plays uh you know for a christian you know and there there's some that have been pushing for you know like don't vote for trump don't vote conservative don't vote republican uh we should this is christian nationalism when we care about freedom and that's a bad thing um how how does this play out when we're when we're looking at our involvement in politics or lack thereof how does this play out in your mind of is this something that we should be fighting for is this something that we should even care about about whether how much freedom that we actually have here in this country well, I don't have much patience for these guys that say I'd gladly give up my freedom rather than vote for such a vile man as Donald Trump. Really? Well, first of all, it's not your freedom to give up. When did it come yours? I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of people throughout the course of history of the United States who have given their lives for the freedom that you that these people are now saying that they'd so easily and gladly give up. Number one, it's not your freedom to give up. It's our nation's freedom. It's your neighbor's freedom. It's the freedom of that veteran across the street that fought and bled. It's the freedom that tried to give you, not only in this generation, but in previous generations. So number one, it's an awful cavalier perspective to take on freedom, to say that you just so gladly give it up, and it's not a biblical principle in the first place. Second, really, it's not a biblical principle? Well, then maybe you ought to get rid of the Exodus narrative, because I thought that was about freedom. Let my people go. I thought that God actually in the inception, in the Genesis narrative, actually gave human beings something that he didn't give the rest of creation, and that was freedom of choice. Isn't that what the original sin is grounded in, is that we had a choice, we had the freedom to decide rather to accept God and his lordship over lives, or to reject God and to become lord of our own lives? Isn't that the story of humanity and the abuse of freedom? But yet it tells us that God loved us enough to not create us as automatons and robots, but as morally culpable, morally aware, and morally free individuals. And therefore, to set that aside and to just um, pretend that it doesn't matter biblically, I just think is naive, and I also shallow exegesis. Yeah. Now, why why do you think that this is actually happening within, even specifically within Christianity? Because I feel like we're we're seeing a lot of evangelical leaders that obviously they were never Trumpers, uh, you know, and that went past the 2016 election into even 2020. But we're seeing a lot of these guys. They're they're coming in and they they're completely opposing GOP. They're coming in with this systemic racism and uh, critical race theory and trying to inject it into Christianity. Why do you think this is happening from a lot of our visible leaders within within the church? I think it's a low view of Scripture. I really do. I think the evangelical church has suffered uh, a lack of uh, biblical fidelity and biblical identity for decades. Um, we've been disparaging the inerrancy of the word rather than fighting for the inerrancy of the word for multiple generations. And now we see our inability as an evangelical church to even recognize that biblically we are obligated to defend human life and the dignity of born child. We're obligated to. There's no option. Where in the Bible does it tell you that a baby five cents before birth is not human? Where does it say that in the Bible? The answer is it doesn't. It's very clear in Scripture that a human being seconds before birth is a human being and should be granted all the rights and privileges and protections that comes with being a human being. And what changes, you, when you ask these people that are pro-choice um, evangelicals, you know, how is it that you think it's the woman's right to choose supersedes the baby's right to live? 
they can't answer the question. They can't acknowledge the fact that that thing they're killing human beings. They also can't get their way out of this um, um, uh, this vicious circle of pretending that it's just a blob of tissue when it has arms, it has legs, it has lungs, it has a heart, it has eyes, it has a finger, it has a thumb, and it's sucking its thumb, and it's only five seconds before birth, but you think you can terminate that and that you're on morally high ground in doing so. This makes no sense biblically. And I think that the reason we're in this mess, and I'm using abortion just as one uh, one anecdote here, the reason we're in this mess is because we have a low view of Scripture. We've elevated ourselves and society to be the arbiter of what's just and what's and what's real and what's true, as opposed to Scripture being our true north and our our uh, thing, as C.S. Lewis would say. Um, if Scripture isn't your first thing, if it isn't the measuring rod outside of those things being measured, you can do no measuring. And I think the evangelical church of all all churches should understand that we've lost our way, a low view of scripture. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's really scary, especially dealing with a lot. It seems like the entire platform of the Democrat Party, which is it's a very godless um, ideology. You know, again, it's pro-abortion. Uh, you know, it, it's it's everything with with pro- actively promoting sin, dealing with transgenderism, like a lot of different of, of the very hot button issues. Uh, it, it's not only what that they're allowing it, but it's that they're actually promote that that's the danger and then you've got the evangelical church which seems to be blending together a lot of the democrat leftist talking points blending it together with what sounds like biblical theology and then it's almost like branching out and creating a new version of christianity that's borderless uh you know promoting income inequality redistribution of wealth all these different political things that they're injecting into the church but then they tell conservatives guys don't get politically active it seems like we're being kind of gaslit here. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I absolutely agree with uh, the gaslighting issue here and, and what you're saying there. But even more so, uh, this alternative view of Christianity, it's a new Christianity. It's not even Christianity. Who defines what a Christian is? The Bible does. Okay, you don't. I don't. You, have, you don't have the right to make up your own Christianity, nor do I. Pete Buttigieg does not get to make up his own Christianity. The Episcopal Church, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church doesn't get to decide what Christianity is or isn't. Christianity is defined by the Christianity is, deci- is defined in the creeds. So if you if you're of a church tradition that honors church tradition equal to scripture, I would dispute that and debate that because I do think you've got to have a true north, and I think the Bible has to be that true north. But you might turn around and say, well, who gave you the Bible? The church did. Hey, that's a different discussion for a different time. The point is, both of those arguments agree that in the first century, was well-defined by the Bible and by the church that gave us the Bible. So let's agree on that. That is the definition of Christianity, not this modern-day gnosis. Really, we've got a revival. It's neo-gnosticism is what we're dealing with right now under the evangelical Christianity, because we've got some sort of special knowledge we feel that way. And we we identify as Christians just because we've come up with a new definition of what Christianity is and isn't. How in the world could the evangelical church not understand that the celebration of sodomy is antithetical to, to Scripture? From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible's pretty clear on this one, guys. But yet the evangelical church seems to be embracing this and affirming this and celebrating rather than preaching what the Word of God says about this. 
Yeah, well, and, and it and it really seems like you know number number one, there, there's there's a major issue with kind of calling off this you know supposed activism within politics, but. I feel like we're we're also missing the problem within our pulpits as well of like you're talking about, like there's not the preaching on these hot button issues. It's, you know, it's really easy to preach on expositionally on a verse that doesn't have real life consequences right now. But when you're dealing with things like homosexuality or abortion or a lot of the divisive issues dealing with race or whatever it is, it seems like they're either embracing the leftist talking points or they're just avoiding the topic altogether. And I feel like we're kind of losing our voice as the visible church within culture because of that. What do you, what do you think about that kind of um, thought process there? Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Well, let me respond. Uh, If I go down a rabbit trail, correct me and redirect me here. But uh, one of the things I want to respond to is the question of, well, you're too political. The evangelical church has become too political. You guys should stay out of politics and just preach, you know, preach the gospel. Well, I have a question for those folks that say that. Who decided that the definition of human life was political, biblical? Who decided that the definition of a female was political? And not biblical. I mean, my goodness, we've come to the point in culture right now where even the church has bought the lie that a female is not a fact any longer, that it's not real. That the biology, the physiology, the anatomy, what it means to be a woman, is not even something that we can agree upon any longer, and that a dysphoric male who raises his hand on a given day and say, I'm a woman, can take a real female, a biological female's, or her sport and her scholarship away from her. Doing that under the auspices of Title IX, which was a 19 law that was established to give women equal access to all of those things, scholarships and sports. Well, how can you compliant with Title IX if you're now being told that women aren't even real? How can you give women equal access to anything if they don't even exist? This, these are the types of questions that the church should be leading and asking. We should the answers for all of this, but rather than that, we're following culture rather than leading culture, and we've actually bought the lie. We've imbibed the Kool-Aid of sexual fluidity and subjective identity claims to the extent that we're not even defending women. So when people tell me I'm political, well, that's convenient, 
that's convenient for you to say I'm too political when I'm defending the dignity of an unborn child and his humanity. I'm defending the identity and dignity of women. I'm a classical feminist right now. The progressive left isn't because I actually think women are real. And I'm going to defend that reality. I'm not going to let somebody else steal their dignity and their shower and their scholarship from them just because they want to play pretend. These are not political issues. These are biblical issues. These are ontological and epistemological issues. These are issues of reality. And, and I'll, I, I'm on a rant here, but, you know, I, I was the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University for some 17 years. Wesleyan Church was born during the most contentious issue in the history of the United States. It was called slavery, called the Civil War. The Wesleyan Church was sprung out of the Methodist Church at the time because the Methodist Church wouldn't take a stand for freedom. The Methodist Church wouldn't take a stand for the dignity of every human being. The Wesleyan Church, led by a man of Orange Scott, a very unusual name, sprung out of that movement because of its faithfulness. It recognized that it wasn't political, it was biblical that a black man should have dignity, and that it was biblical that even the poor people should not have to pay for their pews, but they can go to church too. It's that biblical reality that fueled the Wesleyan movement. But the irony today is, um, as if I'm being told to step down and be quiet because you're too political within that movement. That's awfully ironic in my view. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and it seems like too, you know, it, it's, we're, we're in this place now where not just in secular society, but again, within Christianity, where we're having to deal with a lot of these race issues, which kind of springs board a little bit off, off of what you're talking about. Cause we're having these debates and these, in these discussions within the church on systemic racism, on systemic oppression and critical race theory. And, you know, it seems like we're having the same, the same fights and the same debates within Christianity that we're having within secular society as well. How how is it specifically when it comes to this idea of systemic racism? And we're seeing like within the Southern Baptist Convention, they're acknowledging it. They're they're stating that this is a real thing that we need to embrace critical race theory and all this. What how how do we combat this? How do we deal with our our actual value and our actual uh, worth before Christ if we can't even understand that we're all again one in Christ? Well, again, I look Lance one strangio right now. Where in the Bible does it ever tell us to identify and to divide the human race by color of skin? Where does it say that? Where does it even acknowledge the fact that we're supposed to um, pigeonhole people by race? Where does the Bible ever tell us to do that? It's my understanding that when the Bible does talk about different uh categories of people, if you want to call it talking geography and nationality, it's not talking color of skin. It's not even talking race. In fact, I like what Vody Bakum says when he says there's only one race in the Bible, and that's the human race. I would agree with that, and I would challenge anybody listening right now to refute that biblically, biblically. And then there's another question here. Uh, do you agree with Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream that we should judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin? Well, if you do, then how in the world can you subscribe to intersectionality and critical race theory and white privilege? Because those ideas, by definition, categorize people by the color of their skin. They don't judge people by the content of their character. In fact, character doesn't matter because critical race theory, by definition, says that you're a racist because of the color of 
your skin. And it doesn't matter what you do. You're endemically a racist. And could that be any more antithetical to MLK's dream than anything else? I, I don't know how it could possibly be. And also, we need to acknowledge the fact that CRT and intersectionality and white privilege is ground in Marxist conflict. It used to be the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Well, now it's black versus white. It's just a racial conflict rather than an economic conflict, but it's all Marxist. And tell me why the church would be embracing a Marxist ideology that is atheistic by design and by definition. Again, we need to ask these questions, these rhetorical questions of those that are embracing these ideas and force them to answer rather than, in fact, maybe that's the best strategy is just ask questions like like what we're discussing right now and then just be quiet and let them answer. Isn't that what Jesus did with his adversaries? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Do you want to throw the first stone? Which one of you is without sin? And then the smartest guy that ever walked the face of the earth, God incarnate, he probably couldn't have won any debate had he chosen to, doesn't argue, but he asks the rhetorical question and he forces his adversaries to drop their stones and walk away. Yeah, well, you know, and and I I think, too, it's there's this kind of like brainwashing that's gone on. And there's there's, you know, it's almost like this spiritual blindness, I feel, uh, before people's eyes where they're not seeing the truth, even though it's right in front of them. But but again, even even among Christians. And and I'm wondering, too, if a lot of it is coming back to, you know, the education, because when you think about it from birth all the way up till oftentimes graduating college, sometimes even into seminary, a lot of times there is a lot of this leftist ideology that's pumped into them and put before them. And it, and it's it's almost accepted as truth, you know. Like I I had on one of my shows, we had a debate uh, with a guy who was a seminary grad who was making the argument that you know that Christians should vote for Joe Biden, that there's nothing that there's nothing in the Bible that teaches that socialism is wrong, that capitalism is is rooted in greed and selfishness and and things like that. How do conservatives and how do we as Christians overcome those kinds of art of of objections? to what we always thought was just kind of Christianity. Well, I think the premise to your series of questions right there is um, ideas have consequences. We do have to go back to education. Um, Why is our culture in the mess that it's in right now? It's because ideas have consequences. And where do we get our ideas primarily as a culture? We get them in our schools. And it used to be that we got them in our churches. So let's assume for the sake of argument that we still get most of our governing ideas, the ideas that we hold dear, the principles that we're going to fight for, that we get those ideas from our schools and from our church. Well, what's taking place right now in our schools? Terrible ideas. Decade after decade, we've been teaching self-absorption and narcissism. Uh, why do we think we had got the snowflake rebellion going on on our college campuses? Is that we've, it's because we've taught generation after generation to be navel gazers, to to be narcissistic, to be self-absorbed rather than selfless. Um, You probably know that I confronted the Snowflake Rebellion back in 2015 when I actually had a student at Oklahoma Wesleyan University who was offended by a chapel talk on 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not kidding. He thought 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, was offensive. He actually approached the speaker after chapel and poked his finger in the chest of the speaker and said, you singled me out. You made me feel uncomfortable. You made my peers feel uncomfortable by your sermon today. It was 1 Corinthians 13, the least offensive passage of all of the, of the Bible. And this kid is throwing the victimization card. 
I was incredulous. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And I wrote an op-ed for the local newspaper that week. And I basically said, you know that discomfort you had when you heard that sermon on 1 Corinthians 13? It's called your conscience. And you might want to attend to it. And if you expect us to coddle you rather than confront you, go someplace else. This isn't the university where we're going to start issuing trigger warnings before altar calls. A good sermon is supposed to make you feel guilty. That's the point, because we want your confession. We want your repentance. We're not going to affirm you just because you're a selfish narcissist. Well, as a result of saying that, uh, I had my five minutes of fame. And do you know why? Even the secular world was begging for somebody to say that. I had atheists. I had a Rhodes Scholar. No, 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 not a Rhodes Scholar. Um, yeah, he was. He was a Rhodes Scholar from a, an institution in southern Florida. Send me a note. And he said this. As an atheist, I disagree with your religion, and I don't like your politics. However, on this issue, thank you. It needed to be said. Carry on. Signed, such and such Rhodes Scholar, University of XYZ. Now, isn't that fascinating? Even atheists that disagree with my religion and my politics understand that we've lost something in the ivory tower, and that's the open, robust exchange of ideas. And why did we have that? It's because historically, truth was our true north that served as the referee of the debate. Not you, not me, not power, not politics, but truth was the judge of the debate. And when we lose truth with a capital T as our ultimate good, our ultimate judge, this measuring rod outside of those things being measured, we digress in all of these temper tantrums and these um, uh, these uh, this snowflake rebellion that's overwhelmed the academy. Oh, oh yeah, you know what's really interesting as you as you as you were saying that you know I've I've been on the new app uh, Clubhouse, which which is like an all audio social media platform form and all that you're kind of jumping into different conversations I've, I've been seeing a l- bunch of different conversations on there about how do, how should social media companies be dealing with either disinformation or hateful speech or you know trigger words or different things like that and it's it's really been interesting the presumption was never about free speech free thought or free expression it was it was always how how do we keep people from getting offended how do how, how do we deal with people that get triggered by certain conversations and, and it's really interesting where the premise, it's like they're starting off with the premise of we need to avoid offending people at any means necessary. When in reality, the only the only way that any of us get better is to realize that either we need to get offended or ourselves or realize, crap, I'm I'm doing the wrong fix myself. That's not an easy thing, but it takes the truth. And it seems like our society is built around this idea of we're not even allowed to tell the truth because it could trigger somebody. And then at a certain point within the church, we're looking at it like the gospel is offensive. Does that mean that we got to back down from preaching the gospel? Well, and you've, you've, you've uh, summarized a basic principle of what it means to become an adult. Um, I've got a, a, this is shameless self-promotion right now, so forgive me for this. But my sequel to Not a Daycare, uh, which is the, the book that summarized that uh, Snowflake Rebellion, story that I just told you about First Corinthians 13. Uh, the sequel to that is going to be released on April 13th, and it's titled Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Uh, one of the basic principles that you learned, and I learned, and everybody learned um, prior to the current generation, I guess, is that no pain, no gain. 
If you're an athlete, you know that you're not going to succeed on the court or on the field or on the track if you don't go through the rigor and the discipline. If you don't pay attention to the coach, if you don't do what he tells you to do, if you don't go through the pain of working out, you're never going to perform. You're never going to have the freedom to perform if you don't experience that pain. Likewise, if you're a musician, you're never going to have the freedom to perform in a um, a concerto if you don't learn to discipline yourself to the rhyme, the rhythm, rhythm, and the cadence, the rules of music. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. There's no freedom as a musician, if you're not disciplined to live within the rules of music, there's no freedom as an athlete if you're not disciplined to actually go to practice and memorize the plays and do what you're told. This is just a common sense principle of growing up and becoming an adult, that there is iron sharpening iron and that um, you are refined by fire. But today, in our participation trophy environment, where we're coddling everybody and we don't want to expose them to any adversarial idea whatsoever, and if they feel it, we have to affirm it, then that's a very dangerous place for us to be because we're going to be a nation of perpetual adolescent children rather than a nation of mature, thoughtful adults if we don't recognize the the basic principles that you just highlighted. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I kind of want to shift, shift our attention a little bit here back to, uh, the aftermath of, of this last election, you know, cause now we're in this new world of Joe Biden presidency, the post Trump America and all of, and all of that, you know, and I, and I feel like there's a lot of conservatives that, that have been becoming disheartened. I, you know, because, you know, Trump's no longer president. We're seeing that, you know, we, we don't own Congress anymore. We don't have any say in the White House. It's, it's kind of like a lot of people are feeling like, okay, crud. We, you know, we, we've got nothing. Joe Biden's going to ruin our country for us on a practical level as Christians and as conservatives in general. How do we move forward in this new world where we don't really have a say per se when it comes to the federal government? Um, is that a major concern for you? And what, what do we do about it? Well, yeah, I am concerned about it. And I think you'd have to be by be naive to not worry about or be concerned about. I don't know if worry is the right word. Um, 
as a Bible-believing Christian, I have full confidence in God's providence. Uh, I've read the end of the book. I know who wins. That's okay. So we have to take confidence in that. We also have to take confidence that if Jesus is who he claimed to be, and we believe he is, and that claim is God, that when he promises us something, that you can take that to the bank. And what did Jesus promise his church? He said the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Well, we may be standing at the gates of hell right now, but we know that they those gates cannot prevail against Christ's true church. So it's kind of like my friend Jim Garlow, who used to be a pastor out near Neck of the Woods, down in San Diego, actually, um, at Skyline Wesleyan Church. Jim Garlow um, once said to me, in the midst of a lot of these uh, defeats, uh, he said, Everett, what a wonderful time to be alive. And he meant it. And I think what Jim was saying was this. The battle lines are clear. It's not fuzzy. You don't have to sit around and put your finger to the wind to decide which way is biblical and which way isn't right now. It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. What a wonderful time to be alive because we have confidence that in the end, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We have confidence that we worship a sovereign God, an omniscient God, an omnipresent God, a God that does know what's going on and is in control. And it's our responsibility to, uh, in the face of that, uh, say what Joseph said, what others intended for evil, God will redeem for good. And the story of Esther, maybe for such a time as this, we've been appointed here. And the Apostle Paul, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. And I don't think those are just cliche uh, references to Scripture. Those are principles in Scripture that all of us have to understand as we engage in a culture that doesn't like us, doesn't like our values. Um, this is a wonderful time for us to engage because like my atheist friend from the university down in South Florida, when we say something that makes sense, we're going to stand out like a sore thumb because the world makes no sense right now. So good common sense, biblical sense, biblical confidence in confronting these things with courage, with some spine and with some clarity, it's going to resonate even with the secular culture because they're begging for somebody to lead. Yeah. Now, now, what, what, what's your take on on how we as conservatives should be handling a lot of the accusations of of voter fraud? Because that that's that seems to have been another contentious thing, obviously, with Democrats versus Republicans. But even with the conservative movement, you've you've got some that are that are saying that that you know anybody who's challenging it is is no different than like Hillary Clinton and the Democrats back in 2016. And then you've got others that take it so far that says that it's it was 100% stolen. There's no possible chance that it wasn't. And this is basically the start of civil war. Where are you on, on this on this spectrum? Because again, I'm seeing I'm seeing a wide variety of responses to all this. Um, I frankly don't think we'll ever know. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how much voter, voter fraud there was. Was there some? Yes. I, I don't think anybody could logically answer that uh, or venture an answer that there was no voter fraud. So, yes, there was some. Was it minuscule or was it massive? I don't know. Um, I kind of take the position of a Ben Shapiro, which is essentially that, that, yeah, there's voter fraud, but was there enough to actually sway the election? I don't know. I also agree, agree with what Ted Cruz attempted to do prior to January 6th. Uh, he was calling. See, Ted Cruz is getting maligned as some sort of uh, instigator of insurrection. That's a bunch of baloney. That's just nonsense. 
Ted Cruz was calling for was an audit of the election, and he believed that a thorough audit could be done prior to the inauguration if we engaged in it quickly and thoroughly and in a bipartisan way to assure the American people that, by and large, the election was fair and that every legal vote was counted and every illegal vote was discarded. Or, if there were any compromises on either side of that fence, here's what the quantitative reality of that compromise is. Ted Cruz was calling for that audit, and why in the world would anybody describe what Ted Cruz was calling for as being a bad thing? So I kind of agree with Ben Shapiro. Yeah, there's fraud, but I don't know if it was great enough to throw the election. Probably we'll never know. Um, but I also think that Ted Cruz's call was a legitimate and a logical and a, a legally appropriate call just to give the American people assurance that this thing was legit. Because right now, as you well know, you've got, I don't know what the percentage is, let's just say almost a 50-50 split where you've got half the country saying, no, it's not legit. The other country calling those that say it's not legit conspiracy theorists. Well, that's not a healthy place for our culture to be. So if Joe Biden really wanted unity, if he wanted to govern the United States of America rather than the divided states of America, why would you stand against an audit of this very, very complicated and controversial thing? Um, you would think you'd want to do that if you really wanted to bring the country together. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I, I always want to like kind of close, close out my shows with, with something on a more practical level every, every day for people that might be, that might be watching or, or listening to this on Apple podcasts or whatever it is. But for, for just the everyday Christian, somebody who's not, they're, they're not a pastor. They're not a politician. They're not like, you know, in front of the camera or whatever it is. They're just an everyday person going to church, living the life, working. It, but they still want to make their country better. What 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 do you want to leave with that they should be doing? Whether it's something just small, minuscule, something that they can rise up and do, books that they should that they should be reading, whatever it is. How can we, as the everyday Americans, take a step in the right direction? Um, boy, the first thing that comes to mind is it's going to sound like a complicated answer, but it's really not. The first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is the Westland Quadrilateral. <laughs> what the heck is that? Well, the Westland Quadrilateral says that it's a, every, it's, it's a worldview is what it is, that you look at everything through the lens of history, reason, experience, and revelation. History. Those that have gone before you, your grandma and grandpa, might have actually known something, the time-tested truths, the old truths, the old books have been around for a while for a reason, and that is because they make sense. So attend to the old ideas, honor them, research them, read them. Try to understand the old ideas, those ideas that have endured the test of time. Those ideas are probably better than the new ideas. It's basically C.S. Lewis's condemnation of chronological snobbery. Attend to history. And then reason. You've got a brain. Use it. Stop falling prey to your feelings. Attend to the facts. Be rational. Be logical. And don't let anybody tell you that that's somehow uh, the product of white privilege. That's just nonsense. A rational mind is a healthy mind, and a healthy mind is a rational mind. So history and reason. Experience. It's the Dr. Phil question. How's that one working for you? Are your ideas working, or are they, or do your ideas result in some dysfunction? And I think that's a key question for our culture today. So history, reason, 
experience, and then finally, revelation, scripture. You have to have a trump card at the end of the day. And what's your trump card? For me, my trump card is the word of God. It's the inerrancy of scripture. So my encouragement to anybody listening right now is get a healthy worldview. And I think the worldview that works is one that attends to history, acknowledges our experience. Um, it, it extols the rational rather than bemoans it. And it actually uses scripture as the trump card of all of life. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that, that that is definitely great, great advice and definitely great perspective that I think, you know, people can can adopt. Uh, so if, pe- if people want more information on you, your writings, uh, your upcoming book, uh, whatever that might be, what's the best way for them to follow you? Um, go to my website. It's dreverettpiper.com. That's D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. Um, I have a daily bo- uh, podcast and radio show. It's called The Rebellion. You can follow that at dreverettpiper.com backslash podcast. Then you can follow me on Twitter. It's Dr. Everett Piper. Definitely. Everybody, I will put the, I will put that in the show notes. So that way you guys can just click on that and go right there. But, uh, but Everett, I really appreciate you coming on. I had a blast talking to you and kind of picking your brain a little bit. So I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you. And then um, everybody else as well, make sure you guys subscribe to us over on Apple Podcasts as well as on Rumble. And then again, uh, one way that you guys can support us is by actually checking out uh, some of the books that we're offering over in the GK Bookstore. We've got our recent book church and state how the left used the church to conquer We've got our other book social injustice exposing the false gospel of the social justice movement and then finally you can also pre-order pastor sam jones new book uh five steps to kill a nation and how to stop bleeding so definitely go to gatekeepersonline.com slash store use code jeff at checkout you will get 10 percent off of anything there in the store thank you guys so much for tuning in we shall catch you guys next Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark.